Hello, welcome to Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden, and today I'm joined by the boy Joe from the Age Narrative Podcast. Wesley uh, is pretty busy with stuff these days, so I'm, I'm subbing in with, with the homies, man. How's it going? Dude, it's going great. I'm glad to be here. Glad to guest for the first time on any pod. Um, oh, yeah, shit. Dive In Movie Cast. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I've never guessed it anywhere, so this is great. <laughs> Yeah, so Joe uh, has been a homie for a while now. We we've just kind of supported each other's pods for years now, and like almost any time like a movie comes out, I'm texting him about it. Yeah, so it's it's great to actually have you on the pod to to talk about last night in Soho and, and just a whole bunch of movie news and shit, man. Dude, yeah, I'm I'm hype. I, I mean, Edgar Wright's dope. Movie is great. So yeah, yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts on it. I thought I thought it was it was pretty great. But before we get into that, um, tell us about your about your pod, man. Tell us about you if you want to get into it. Any of that. Uh, yeah, so the age narrative, well, I'll talk about, I'll talk about two because I was kind of a part of a, I guess kind of sort of still am, but, um, but mainly the one that I do right now is the age narrative. So pretty much me and uh, the homies, Aaron and Brian, um, we like, I, I like coin it as like a boozy podcast. And it's funny just because every time we link up, like we're always just like, like, you know, like tossing drinks back, you know, like drinks with the boys, you know what I mean? And then we always just start talking about like, like future Star Wars things or we just talk Star Wars projects. So that's like, we talk tons of Star Wars over there. Like pretty much right now we're moving through all like um any like the Star Wars, like TV shows or movies. But Brian always like he, Brian reads like tons of Star Wars books. So he always talks about those on there. And yeah, um, I was going to say, Brian's seen like or he's read like every Star Wars book from whenever I'm listening to the pod. I'm like, holy shit. I didn't even know these many Star Wars books existed. Yeah, no. And they're making more, man. They're, they're coming out with more. So like he, he's like literally just going through all of them right now and, um, talks about them all in the pod. So that's awesome. But, um, aside from that, like it's like, we love Star Wars, but we also try to just, uh, mainly talk about like sci-fi fantasy stuff as well. So like with that, like Brian's read like a lot of high fantasy, like we talked about a book called the wheel of time one time. And, um, that's a show that's coming out pretty soon that we'll probably talk about the wheel of time on Amazon. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's like very genre specific. Like we mostly just talk like geeky shit. Like, of course we have to talk like, you know, like Marvel and all that stuff too, you know, but, um, right. but yeah, so like it's, it's a boozy pod. So we just get drunk and record. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I, I, I respect your guys' ability to get, drunk and do those episodes because like there's been times for wesley and i have gotten drunk and we tried to do a pod and i'm like i can't do it man i'm tripping out like i'm freaking out <laughs> i'm freaking out <laughs> <laughs> i like bug out i'm like i can't focus yeah but yeah so aside from the age narrative i've also you know done um i i used to do a pod with uh with john carter and gerardo over on the cast of color that's an awesome show as well um i think they talk more like like broader film you know they'll they'll talk about pretty much anything that's new um, but yeah, so definitely check them out as well. Yeah, that's, that's how we all met actually was, was through the cast of color. So we've done a couple episodes with, with you through, through cast of color. So check those out. It's a army of the dead. And what was the other one? We did justice league. We talked to tax justice league. So check those out if you're, if you're interested in that as well, but absolutely shout out cast of color. Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. The boys. Yeah. So on that note, I guess we can kind of get into some of the some of the news that we have this week. We've got uh, there's a new trailer for a movie called Swan Song. It's the new Mahershala Ali drama, and it follows a man dying of a terminal illness that, fi- and then he finds the opportunity to create an exact clone of himself to take on his life after he's gone. And like that's off the bat, that's like a crazy ass premise for a drama. <laughs> like, yeah, fusing sci-fi and drama is is a really cool idea. Yeah, because usually whenever you get like that type of like cloning yourself, like a like a the only thing that I can think about is like, uh, like you got like Westworld or like Altered Carbon or something like that. Like those two things, they clone themselves, but it's also like action, you know. Like this one feels like like he's cloning himself, but it's so that he can just like live. Like it's not like a crazy action like story or anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like more like intimate. So I, I'm definitely hyped for yeah, that. Yeah. You brought this up to me and like, I had not heard about this trailer, but I love Mahershala Ali as an actor. And, um, yeah, this looks really depressing, but like really good at the same time. Like I'm, I'm fully on board. With oh, it's, 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 it's sad boy sci-fi, yeah. dude. I, I'm all in. I, I'm hyped yes, for man. it. <laughs> sad boy sci-fi. That's going to be the new thing. 
the last last sad boy sci-fi thing that and i can't believe this is like a like considered a sci-fi movie but fucking her spike jones is her is a sci-fi oh, movie yeah that's the king is king of sad boy <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> so yeah man i'm pumped but yeah no i actually came across this trailer uh, i just want to do a brief shout out to poc culture um like he has a like he's like a film journalist that you know mainly celebrates like uh, people of color within pop culture so um one of, he has like a friend who is actually in this trailer his name's lee shorten he's like an up and upcoming actor who is um He's actually in Ghost of Tsushima. Have you have you played the um, the the new expansion of Ghost of Tsushima? I'm halfway through it. I just I've got gotten kind of busy with work and I haven't been able to finish it. But it's really fun. The Iki Island stuff. Yeah. So the Lee Shorten is in the game, I believe, as Jin's dad. Okay. Nice. Have you come across his dad? Yeah. So he's like the mocap actor and like voice actor for that. So I I think that's really cool. He's also in Swan Song. So. That's it's tight. It's it's cool how I came across it. Yeah, and like I, I watched that and I was like immediately it's like my thing. Like I'm wondering if this is gonna have any like awards buzz going for it or, or if it's gonna kinda get largely ignored with that. But regardless, Apple Plus or Apple T V or whatever they call their fucking streaming service, uh they're they're yeah. on the come up, man. They've had some good stuff recently with, with Coda and uh Ted Lasso, which is something that people really love that I need to check out. And then they have Yeah, same and here. they have this and the new Martin Scorsese movie coming out soon. So like Big W's for for Apple TV. Oh yeah, massive W's. I totally forgot about Killers of Flower Moon. Damn, that movie's gonna be. Nice. Um, it will be insane. Crazy cast. Um, but yeah, no, Apple TV Plus is on the come up. Like I'm glad too because like after Cherry, I was like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, cancel the whole streaming you service, know? man. Throw this shit out. <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> yeah, we talked about Cherry on the pod, and I don't think we had like anything positive to say aside from like, well, good for Tom Holland. He's trying something. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, Big whiff. Yeah. Oh, man, that movie was bad. But speaking of Tom Holland, I guess this ties in perfectly to the next thing I wanted to talk about news-wise is that we got the trailer for Uncharted. And mm. and we have Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg as Victor Sullivan. Um, big Sully? Yeah, Sully. Big divisive casting immediately off the bat for, for fans of the game. And uh, I know you had, I had talked about this before we started recording, but you haven't played the games. Uh, so what do you, I've I've not. What do you think about this trailer as somebody who with like no emotional connection to these characters, no like familiarity with this world? Like, what do you think off of that? Well, I like you know just doing like quick Google searches on like what these characters look like. I I feel like Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg are like miscast for this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. On top of that, I mean, this just kind of looks like a like a whatever action movie. You know. I know. <laughs> and um. And uh, Tom Holland like. Honestly, he's just doing like crazy Spider-Man shit in this, like especially in that like um the airplane sequence. He's like jumping around like he is Spider-Man and then he like lands like with one of his arms like up in the air like he is Spider-Man. I'm just like, dude, that no one is going to be able to see anything else for this movie, you know? He can't get out of character, man. He got up on set and he was just like, "Okay, so I'm Peter Parker but renamed, right?" Like yeah. he's still playing the same dude. Um yeah. In in my case, I, yeah. I grew up playing think? the Uncharted yeah. games. I'm like a huge fan of them. Like my dad and I played it when I was like eight years old, the first one. So like I I go way back with that franchise, and I've wanted to see a movie for it for, for like over a decade now. And I, this is not what I meant when I said I wanted to see a movie for for Uncharted. <laughs> this is not what this I is wanted. Not this it. Is what I want. uh, just like <laughs> off the bat, Tom Holland is not Nathan Drake. He's just like not that character. And I've read interviews with him, and he's talked about how he he really loves that franchise and he loves that character and he doesn't want to be disrespectful towards the legacy. That's all good. It's not his fault that he was cast in a movie that he shouldn't have been cast in. Um, yeah. I just, I don't think this looks like what I wanted to see at all, especially because uh, the director has been describing it as like a prequel. He's like, this takes place before the games. Uh, the games still exist in this world, yada, yada. And then, he has Sully and Nathan Drake meeting at a bar when they're like, Nathan Drake's like 19 years old and already that's back backtracking on the games because they meet in uncharted three in a flashback um, when he's like eight years old. So like they're, they're changing things up, but they're still pretending that it takes place in the world of the games, which is, it's just kind of bothersome for me as somebody who loves those games so much. It's like, feels kind of disrespectful to lie to the fans like that, to try and like lure them in to watch the movie. And then, it's not what you just said it was to them. 
Yeah, that, that, that's really odd. And then, like, oh, no. you know, there's the whole plane sequence at the ending of that trailer, and I'm just like, this is from Uncharted 3. Like, you're just making, like, a mishmash. <laughs> you're making a mishmash of Uncharted, and you're trying to sell it as a prequel, and it's not. So, like, I don't know, man. I, I think it does just kind of look like a really generic action movie with movie stars, and that's not what Uncharted is, so I'm a little bummed out about it. But maybe Damn. maybe people who don't have familiarity with the franchise will be able to enjoy that more than I would. Yeah, no, that that's a shame. And like it it just contributes to the like to the like video game to film curse, you know. I know. It's like there there's not like one like kind of decent uh video game like video game adaptation out there. It's like yet. the best one we got was Free Guy, and that's not an adaptation, that's just like in the world of video games. So Yeah. And like there's also like Ready Player One, but like that's not based off a of video game, you know. But but yeah, so yeah, man. I don't it's know. Like a, we'll see. It's like, it's like a never-ending <laughs> curse with video game movies. It's like they just can't get this shit right. <laughs> I'm rooting for that Last of Us TV show, though. I think that'll be cool. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think they just wrap filming. But yeah, right, right, we'll on. see. I can't wait for that shit, man. I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. This one is the next piece of news we have is just hellish. It's really just awful stuff. But I, I have to hit you with it anyways. Um. Wesley and I were talking about Chris Pratt as Mario and how we think that that's really bad casting <laughs> and how like that's just weird that they would cast Chris Pratt as Mario of all characters. They one-upped it. They made it worse. Chris Pratt has been confirmed to be playing Garfield as well. <laughs> he can't keep getting away with this, man. We can't keep letting him get away with it. He can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> it's like insert Jesse from Breaking Bad here. But like... <laughs> Yeah, this is no, but for real though, you can't keep getting away with it, bro. It's like the next piece of news we're gonna hear is it's gonna be like Chris Pratt has been cast as Link in the upcoming Zelda movie. It's gonna be like, no, stop this shit. (laughs) Oh man, or like Chris Pratt has been cast in like um uh as Naruto in the upcoming live action (laughs) adaptation. Dude, this guy is about to be like, it's a me, a Garfield. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's just like, damn. He's in between recording sessions. He's like switching in and out of Mario yeah. and Garfield voices. Like, I, this is terrible. I just think this, this is terrible news. This is just awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't even have a lot more to say about it other than just how awful it is. I just need to acknowledge it. But. But he does okay. But Chris Pratt does kind of have like a like an interesting voice acting career. I mean, he um like you know he's in like all the Lego movies. Uh, I I liked him in um what was that one that he was in with Tom Holland? Oh, onward. Um, yeah. Onward. Yeah, he he was good in that, you know. But um, like him being casted as like these big name characters, I'm just like nah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like it's not the fact that he's big name characters for me, but it's the fact that I just can't hear Chris Pratt doing a Mario voice and like. In particular as well, I can't hear him doing a Garfield voice. Like the whole thing about Garfield is that he's like this lifeless kind of pissed off cat. And Chris Pratt is like the most bro-y dude ever. And it's just such a weird choice to be like, yeah, he's got it. He can do that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man. Why? Watch. Chris Pratt like secretly has has it. <laughs> yeah. He's going to win an Academy <laughs> Award imagine? for Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be insane. I that's why I'm like I'm really curious to hear like the Mario voice, just because like, dude, what if it's like the greatest like <laughs> impression ever? It's like better than it the could, original voice actor. Yeah, it's like okay, like it's either gonna be the worst thing we've ever heard, or honestly, like some like one of the best. You know? I, I hope it's bad, just because it would be entertaining. Like I hope he gets up in that movie and he's just like, "It's me, Mario. What's up?" Like, <laughs> that would just be priceless so i guess we'll have to see man yeah. it's just it's so bothersome when there's really talented voice actors who are completely capable of doing this part but like they don't have the star power that chris, that chris pratt has so they just get tossed to the side yeah it's a damn shame but um yeah we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes it's probably gonna end up being like one of those like it's so bad that it's good and you just can't help out but laugh at yeah. it type of situation you i know? mean <laughs> I, I'm interested in seeing who like the rest of the cast is. It's gonna be like John Leguizamo as like Odie, you know? Like what what's the approach here? Yeah, like where where's like Luigi at? Where is uh oh well this is about the Mario movie, but who who knows what's gonna go on with, with Garfield? Yeah, honestly. Uh, man, <laughs> just a just a big L in movie making when Chris Pratt gets back. Like <laughs> um okay, so the last piece of news Jeez. that we have is do you have anything else about Garfield, Chris Pratt? 
Nah, I kind of nah. just like <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I kind of just I'm shut so you up, done. and I was like, "Yeah, I just I spoke for you because we don't have anything else to say." About <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's good. All right, last piece of news. This is breaking news. This is from like an hour and a half ago. Um, yeah, Vin Diesel pleads with The Rock to return for Fast Ten, writing in quotes, "My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast Ten. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house." There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes, but the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale that is 10. I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs cannot be played by no other. I hope you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Dude, okay, we need to we need to put we need to frame this post. Like, this is like an all time one of the all time great posts of of the internet. This is like the you know? best thing to ever like, be posted on Instagram, just by far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if it, it like is this the most liked post on Instagram yet? Probably it sh- not. It but should it, be. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, it should be. Um, <laughs> for one, like, like I I try to like keep up with. I I think it's kind of bullshit, but I try to keep up with the beef. Like whatever beef is between the Rock and Vin Diesel, you know. Um, but the fact that he started off this post saying like my little brother, Dwayne, I'm like, dude, he's not coming back. Like you think he's coming back after you just referred to him as like little bro. I'm like, damn dude. Like, Oh man. That's just further going to like, like they're just going to beef even more now. And I'm curious to see how, uh, how, how the rock reacts to this. Dwayne just, and, um, Dwayne just caps back and he's just like, I'm not your fucking brother. <laughs> like goes off on him. <laughs> Fuck your kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, we'll, we'll see, bro. That that shit's crazy. Um, I, I did see someone tweet the other day. Is that like, like, you know how people like, uh, or like in like WWE, like wrestling, like they create like this, like fake beef, you yeah. know, it's like strictly for entertainment value. Like, what if they're just doing that? like for for this just to have them match up again like it's like leading up to like an intense face-off for for fast yo quite literally a (laughs) face-off yeah yo my favorite part about it is that he's just referring to it like you need to fulfill your destiny legacy await it's like bro you're talking to him like he's about to pick up excalibur like what's what the fuck is going on here it's like you were you were born to be Hobbs in Fast yeah, 10. Yeah, he's, he's like, forget <laughs> the other movies. This is the one. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> not Black Adam. Not anything like that. It's like... <laughs> I think the best part about it is that he, like, he takes the choice away from him. He's really just like, you must show up. Do not leave this franchise. Like, <laughs> Dwayne's just going to show up on set and be like, I had no choice. I had to show up. They, they're they're going to toss him a fat enough bag and they'll, they'll probably make it happen. But uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not all in. Yeah. <laughs> for me, on like a, a genuine serious note, like I love the fast movies in the stupidest sense. Like they are so awful. But like I, I didn't you just go through all them recently? Yeah. Wesley and I Wesley hadn't seen them. So Wesley and I watched the whole franchise together in our in our apartment. And it was it was an experience, man. By like movie number six, I was like kind of dying. <laughs> but uh, I do kind of uh. like those movies in the sense of like they're so stupid and fun to laugh at. That I, I do want to see Dwayne pop up for Fast Ten. I would be bummed out if he didn't. Yeah, no, he has to, right? Like, I, I mean, mean, his character on. is one of the better come additions on. to the franchise, <laughs> and he kind of helped. He kind of helped lead that franchise into stupidity. Like, he held its hand as it walked towards being dumb. <laughs> so, like, I feel like he has to come back. It just he has to. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, I hope so. That that'd be great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Like it's it's almost like Fast Ten is like the end game for the Fast franchise, you know. Like you have I, you have to you have to bring everybody back. There's no way you don't. It's like Thanos is gonna show up. <laughs> like my 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 mission is to stop family <laughs> or wipe out half of family. <laughs> yeah, they pull up in cars trying to stop it. Oh jeez. No, but that's that's about it for news. It's. I, I'm sure there's more, but that's all I, I felt was worth bringing out because there's some funny shit there. But yeah, on that note, do you want to do you want to talk last night in Soho and get into get into the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So last night in Soho is the new Edgar Wright movie. It's kind of his his first full on serious movie. He's really always messed around with comedy and kind of fused genres with comedy, but this is his first 
full-on thriller, and it follows a girl named Eloise who moves to London to be a fashion designer. And slowly, when she starts having these dreams of this woman named Sandy in the 1960s and uncovering this mystery about what happened to Sandy. And, uh, man, do you have any opening thoughts, just general impressions of the movie? Well, actually, I want to ask you a quick or well, like bring this up to you. So you said this is a serious film and um, his only other horror flick is Shaun of the Dead. And so like the, those two are nothing alike, right? <laughs> yeah, completely different, like tonally and like just everything. Like, honestly, if it weren't for like the flashy editing and the way that he makes his movies, you'd think they were done by different people. Mm hmm. OK, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, for for me, um. I love this movie. I, I thought it was great. Um, I definitely liked, uh, like, there's something that's always common all throughout, well, at least the the few Edgar Wright films that I've seen, is his uh, his use of just, like, really cool music, you know? I love the music in this movie. I thought it was great. Like, uh, especially hearing, like, like uh, there was, like, a club scene, like, a club party scene, and he just drops fucking, um, like, Happy House, you know? I was like, ooh, damn, this is cool as fuck. Like, the entire sequence was cool as fuck. It was, like, very, very groovy, very trippy, you know? And that's just kind of the whole vibe that I got from the film. It's just very stylish, very cool, you know? And it's, like, like mashing those two things with, like, a with with horror in it as well. And I'm just like, dang, this is probably, like, one of the, like, the quote-unquote coolest horror movies that I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, overall, I, I gave it, like, a like a four and a half out of five. I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the third act, but we'll, we'll talk about that uh, later, but yeah, my general impressions of it too, are that I, I really liked it as well. I have seen like some, yeah, you know, mixed reactions to this movie, but I, I had a blast with it. I feel like it, it balances the thriller aspects of it before it goes full horror with the, the third act. And I feel like it does that really well. And the way uh, Edgar Wright kind of, fuses the genres throughout and kind of misleads the audience throughout the first hour as to where it's going. I feel like it was just, it was very clever and I had a very fun time watching it in theaters. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nuts right now, man. It, there's like a very overwhelming feeling of seeing all these movies. Like it's like no time to die. Dune, um, last night in Soho Eternals. It's like French dispatch. Like they're all coming out in, in one month and I'm just like, my wallet is just like, stop, chill out. I'm like, I can't. I need to go see these movies. <laughs> Dude, and that's why I've been telling you, like, I, I've loved going back to the movies, but, um, like, I signed up. You guys don't have this theater chain up there, which which is kind of a bummer, but it's I have this, um, this thing called, uh, I go to this theater called AMC, and they have, like, their own kind of quote-unquote subscription service. Like, I don't know if you remember, uh, did you ever have MoviePass? I never got it, but I do know about it. It was here in Canada, I believe. Yeah, so MoviePass pretty interesting like uh like it was 10 bucks a month and you can go see as many movies as you want and that's it it was like they tried selling themselves as like the netflix of movies you know just because of like the the price you know what i mean that it, it, it fell and failed horribly but now like yeah like the big theater chains like amc doing like their own subscription services so i pay like 25 bucks like 25 like us dollars um a month to see three movies a week in any format so go see two movies in imax Every week, it's it's like I'm sales pitching this thing right now. <laughs> yeah, um, sponsored sponsored by uh, AMC. Yeah, sponsored by AMC, big time. Um, but no, for real, like that's how I've been able to see so many movies because like if I was paying IMAX for all these movies like three or four times a month, I'd I'd be sick. Like my my pockets would be like screaming. It was like, nah, you you do not need to go see that right now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, like I I've watched a ton of stuff, so I I've really liked returning to the movies for sure. Yeah, man, that makes me so bummed out to hear that you have such like that's such a deal. Twenty five for three movies a week in any format is nuts. Like, yeah, the the closest thing we have we have Cineplex, and that's like our big movie theater chain. And you're you you pretty much won't find any movie theaters around here other than Cineplex owned theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that they do it is it's called Cine Club, and it's nine ninety nine a month. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you get one free movie in regular format, so like that's not including like IMAX and all that shit. That will cost you extra. Ugh. So that that's going to be like an extra 450 on top of your free movie ticket. So it's not really a free movie ticket. Um, additional tickets to free movies or, or to, to get to movies is $9.99, which is also not even that much of a deal. And then you get like 15% off like your popcorn and stuff. So like that's the best we got. I get one free movie and it's in regular format. And if I want to go see an IMAX, I have to pay more. So that, that shit sucks. But 
What a it's shame. better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, but yeah, cool, so though. yeah, not bad. Yeah. So my bank account's struggling a little bit more than I'm sure yours is. That's so cool. That cynic, that uh, AMC stuff shit, man. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty sweet. Um, so Edgar Wright is like a director that I've been a fan of for, for quite some time since I seen Shaun of the Dead. I watched that with my dad when I was like younger, and that's one of my favorite zombie movies. It's just so funny, and also got some good good horror through it as well. But what's your familiarity with Edgar Wright? Like, how many movies have you seen by him, and and do you like him or know him very well as a director? I'm not too familiar, mostly because I've only seen Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World fucking rocks, you know. Yeah, I and love that um. Movie. And like like I mentioned earlier, like just his use of of music in these movies, it's almost like a like a like almost a character of its own in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's my only familiarity. And um, but yeah, no, I I think he's a like from what I've seen so far, it's almost like the the man doesn't miss, you know. He's, no, he um, does not. Yeah, he he does not miss. <laughs> I feel like so. you'd really like his uh, his three Cornettos trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. Okay. They kind of are all different genres, but like they're tonally about the same thing, and pretty much they're all about Simon Pegg being a man child. Um, oh, so it's actually like the, those are those are kind of like connected in a way, quote unquote. Yeah, like tonally, they're kind of connected. Like they feel similar, and they kind of follow similar themes, but they're all different things. Okay. Okay. So World's End is kind of like a alien or robot sci-fi sort of thing um hot fuzz is like this weird police procedural with a whole bunch of crazy twists and shit and then (laughs) Shaun of the dead is like a zombie comedy but they're they're good stuff man he's he's a really interesting director and i think the number one thing about edgar wright for me is like he's so stylistic and the way he the way he makes movies is so flashy and fun and and vibrant Mm -hmm. and poppy and so I, i think that's the one thing that it's present throughout all his movies. Like even when they change up in tone and in style, they always feel flashy and, and zippy and fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yet like for me, like the only movie that I've seen, he especially feel that in Scott Pilgrim, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, especially from like, like the pacing in that is like crazy fast and almost like almost all of it kind of feels like it's like in your face, you know? And, um, that's kind of like that poppy feeling that you're describing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it always just moves so quick, quickly. Like he doesn't really linger on stuff too long. Yeah, but I think that's a good thing with with him, anyways. So, yeah, he pulls. Like he does it well. So yeah, which kind of leads me into like the next point. It's like it's super interesting to see him tackle something straight up serious. It's not fused with comedy. In fact, there's like no comedy at all, rather than like one joke through it last night in Soho. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a nice change of pace, and so. That kind of leads into one thing I wanted to mention, which is like the influence. So I know you're not a big horror guy, so I'll kind of zip through this really quickly. Mm. But uh, this movie takes a lot of influence from like the giallo subgenre of horror, which is like a genre that's mainly characterized as like gruesome murder mystery thrillers. And they kind of combine suspensive detective thrillers with like over the top violence and and stylish filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And when I seen that he said that that was a big influence on this movie, it like immediately clicked. I was like, Oh yeah. It's like, it's like a giant murder mystery. That's like super violent at times and super flashy and stylish. And I was like, yeah, I immediately see where he was coming from with that. Um, so you, you like, uh, I don't know if there's like a difference, but like, it's kind of like a murder mystery, but also like kind of like a ghost story in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. Or like a slasher. A lot of times, uh, Giallo movies are like slashers with like a serial killer, like some sort of mysterious, you know, being causing a bunch of problems. Right. That's cool. I never heard of that before. That's fun. Yeah. It's kind of like this, I think it kind of originated, uh, in, in Italy, I believe that could be wrong about that, but I think that's where that whole thing came from. And I know Edgar Wright's like a huge movie dude. I don't know if you've like listened to podcasts with him, but like he's seen pretty much everything. And, Mm -hmm. um, throughout the pandemic, he actually like started this correspondence with Martin Scorsese where they were just sending movies back and forth from like 1920s that you could watch. Like he would just each week he'd ask Martin Scorsese for like a different decade of movies. So like, damn, there's so many different influences in last night in Soho. And it's, I don't know. He's just interesting to me because he can make a movie that feels super modern and all of the movies he watched as influence for it are like movies from the fifties and sixties. So what, what would you say are like the main ones that, um, that inspired, 
last night in Soho? Uh, I had heard him say something about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is a, uh, that's got Sharon Tate in it. Before, okay. Um, she was, you know, tragically killed by the, the Manson family. But that yeah. one is one that kind of he, he listed as an inspiration and um, not a specific movie by this director, but there's a director named Dario Argento who, uh, from what I've gathered, he took a lot of influence from. And there's a movie called Suspiria, which is very like right. visually similar to Last Night in Soho mm-hmm. with like the crazy neon colors and just the way he shoots everything um, is very similar to that movie. So I feel like those are the particular influences he took from it. But I'm sure if you like listen to a pod with him, he'd probably list like 15 more movies that I've probably never seen. Right, right. Yeah, he's like, he's crazy with that shit. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, I just feel like that was worth mentioning. But um, on another note, what did you feel about Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy and the, the lead performances in this this one? I thought they did particularly well. Um, I think the my only thing about... Uh, like I need to. Well, this isn't. This doesn't really have anything to do with her performance or anything. I just not sure how I feel about what actually happened with her character. But I mean, Anya Taylor Joy crushes it mostly because, like, like you know, she sings in this. You know. Yeah, man. Her her cover know, of Downtown has been playing in my phone constantly. Yeah, yeah. No, for real. And um, there are actually two different versions of her cover of it. There's like an up tempo version and like the kind of spooky down tempo one. But I've been listening to both, and um, she she's got the vocals. You know what I mean. So, I thought she was uh, quite quite a performer in this. And um, are are they pushing for them to like get some like some Oscar noms or? I haven't heard anything about uh, people pushing for Thomas and McKenzie, but I have heard some people saying Anya Taylor Joy should be should be in there for best supporting. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought I thought they did well. Um, yeah, not not much else to say on that, but they they were great. Yeah. What do you think? I love Anya Taylor Joy. Anytime she's in anything, I get really excited to see her. Yeah, uh, I I feel like she's great here, and she makes a lot out of like minimal screen time. Mm-hmm. Like her impact is very large throughout the entire movie. Um, but Thomas and Mackenzie, I know some people are like really bothered by her as an actress because of her voice. Like I really, I, I've, I've seen this with a couple people, and there was people coming out of the theater talking about it as well. They're like, "That lead actress's voice is so weird." I'm like, "What a weird thing to notice about like an actress." Well, is like. I've never thought of that personally, but I guess like thinking about just like, I guess some scenes like, uh, like when she's in the cab first going to London yeah, and she's like, oh yeah, I'm in the London school of fashion. I'm like, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I guess yeah. it sounds weird, but I'm not, it's not something that I'm going to like be fixated on, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I thought she was good. I mean, I think she's a good actress and uh, her performance in the third act gets a little over the top. But overall, I feel like she was pretty solid. I really liked her in, um, in Jojo Rabbit. Same here. Seen that yeah. One. yeah. I've okay. seen that one. Yeah. She was solid in that. And um, I, I just like seeing new up-and-coming actors or actresses get a bunch of main roles. And I think I think she's good. I, I saw people making jokes about how she sounds like she's talking in cursive. And I'm like, what? I, I, get, I what? guess. Like, what does that you even mean? <laughs> right? Like, it's like, if you can't hear her, I don't think you're listening. Because, like, I can tell what she's saying pretty clearly. But... Yeah, and I yeah. I, I really felt for her character in this one too, and I think she she like uh performed it really well in just showing that like kind of like a like the outsider type, you know? Right. Um, She's like that that kind of the the people who exist today who are like I was born in the wrong generation, and and she kind of is the the definition of that. She really thinks that she belongs in the '60s. Yeah. Yeah. Until she kind of starts to unravel that maybe that's not such a, a not good it's thing. not it's not the coolest place to be in. <laughs> no, it's and like I, once you once you get past the flashy lights, it's uh, it's not that great. Yeah, no, and I I love that that movie made this choice is like whenever like you watch like older stuff, like the sixties are always always like it's all it's always like so peaceful and like people are always so happy or whatever you know and like it's always like feel good vibes like great music and all this stuff you know but. Really, what's going on back there is that it was fucking terrible. People were awful. You know? Yeah, it's like racism, sexism, and you name it. It's really once you get past the the shiny exterior of that time period, it's not that great. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I I love that bit of the movie, and um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the there's a couple themes that this movie is trying to get into, 
but I feel like that's the one that like really worked for me was the whole kind of idea of like the dark side of nostalgia and like when you stop looking at things through rose tinted glasses, what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this movie handled that theme really effectively. Uh, I have issues with some of the other themes that we'll get into a little bit later on, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, it handles that side of it really, really well and gets into like that theme really, really well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, like fucking dudes in the sixties fucking suck. Straight, straight, <laughs> yeah, straight nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Men are so whack in the sixties. Oh my gosh. Men, and men. still, still today, men are yeah. like kind of, <laughs> it's like the sixties and now, you know, nothing's changed yeah. entirely, but yeah, it's, it's like, nice you, to you, think that we're getting there. Yeah. Fucking the cab driver, fucking weirdo. <laughs> God damn. Bro, big weirdo. He's like, you got nice legs. I'm like, all right. He's like, oh, are, are all, all girls live here. I'll, I'll come around more. I'm like, oh, you fucking ass. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she like goes into like the grocery store and he's like still parked outside. It's like, all right, buddy, you can you can get the fuck out of here now. Jeez, man. And you know what? I'm glad that um that there was just like at least one dude, like one sincere, genuine dude in, in the film. Um, And th- the guy that ends up like being her boyfriend, you know? yeah oh man he's uh i liked that character a lot but i also have to say like he's just so overly nice where to the point it kind of reaches a point where i'm like nobody would behave like this even nice people would like when we're gonna get into spoilers for the rest of the episode but when when she uh freaks out when they're making out at like that halloween party and she freaks out and starts like screaming bloody murder I feel yeah. like any dude would just be like, you know what? You're very nice, but like, I'm kind of scared right now. Like, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to leave. Um, yeah. But, but he's, he's always he's just there. Character. He's like, yeah, he's always like, come on, talk to me, talk to me, which is, which is nice, you know? But yeah, yeah. no, I'd be, I'd be freaked out if, if something like that was happening to me. I'd be like, respect. Life. Yeah. I'd be like, respectfully, I care about you as a person, but like, I'm a little disturbed right now. And I think I'm just going to head out. <laughs> uh, call me later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think oh, no. I think he was a good character though. Yeah. Okay, so uh one other thing I want to get into is like the recreation of the 1960s visually and like we kind of already mentioned like the trippy neon sequences and everything. But um I-, I heard something about how Edgar Wright when he filmed like that big dance number during like the first night she goes to sleep and ends up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. He he was swapping actors in and out while they were like dancing with uh with Matt Smith. Oh, so the sequence where um it was like Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomas and McKenzie, um, that dance sequence, right? Yeah. And so when they were filming it, they were genuinely like they weren't cutting and they weren't stopping. Like they were actually just like one on the left side, one on the right side, kind of moving in and out of frame. And I'm like, damn, that's that's high quality movie making shit. Like it feels yeah. so seamless. Yeah, I know that that's probably like like when I was first watching, I was like, yeah, maybe like that's actually like possible. But I was also thinking like, OK, like I think the editing is just spot on. But then I read it afterwards. I was like, wow, really? Like, this was like no cutting at all. And they're just swapping. Like, once the camera pans like this way, then it's like the time to switch. I'm just trying to like picture that in my head. And like, <laughs> you'd have to be moving like so fast and just be on your A game the entire time. I'm I know. curious how many, how many takes that took. Like, that's, if, that's if what that, I was wondering too. Yeah. yeah like, the, the amount of times they'd have to mess that up to nail that perfectly, it's like, it's got to be high. Yeah. It's, but that is very impressive that, yeah. And that is, you're right. Top tier filmmaking right there. That's, it's great. Yeah. He's, he's really good with that visual stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's just like some praise I wanted to give him was just to, to acknowledge how cool that is. Like to be able to just have your shit so down pat that you can be like, all right, we're just going to do this scene and you're just going to come into frame and you're going to like leave frame. I just thought yeah. that was really, really cool shit. Um, okay. So one thing I wanted to also get into is this movie kind of is walking a tightrope tonally where it's kind of a thriller for like the first 45 minutes thriller kind of drama. And then it goes full on horror movie. Do, do you feel like one half or the other half of the movie worked for you more than the other did? Um, I think the, uh, probably the thriller portion of it because like when it started to get into, um, like, like I was digging the mystery and I was hoping that like in like we already said we're getting into spoilers like I was hoping that Matt Smith would like uh like end up being like still alive in the future you know that that's kind of where I, where I wanted the 
film to go and like keep that kind of like mysterious thing like oh like what if he is actually like really this old guy you know and um mm-hmm. i like that aspect of it more but then it just got into like the like you know she turned she ends up being like a serial killer and i'm like i don't i don't know guys like that and then like it, it moved like so fast after that you know what i mean so yeah. definitely enjoyed um i'd say the first half a little more but that's know, that's where i'm at that's where I'm at with it too, is I feel like that first kind of slower mystery portion where she's having all these dreams and things kind of gradually get darker with each time she goes to sleep. And then she really quickly realizes that this reality that she idolizes so much is not worth idolizing. I feel like that stuff works a lot more in the first hour than it does once it turns into a big spooky ghost movie, um, which is kind of, I guess we can talk about it now because we've been talking about positives for a little bit now. Yeah, That's my big issue with the movie is that it kind of struggles to understand what kind of movie it wants to be. And and once you get into like those ghostly apparitions of all the men that she kills throughout the decades, just popping up over and over. Yeah. I feel like the movie kind of falls in this really dull routine where it's like, okay, I'm just seeing the same ghosts every time. And like, they're not going to be scary after the first time you use them. Anytime you bring them back after that, the fear factor kind of decreases each time you see them. Yeah, and, and the only the only thing that makes you jump at those is like the score itself and the music. Like it, it's like it's like they try to like shock you every time they come on screen, you know. And, and it's like with the music, it's just like big and booming, you know. So it just kind of mm-hmm. tries to make you jump. But I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I thought they, I thought they looked cool, you know. Like the actual like physical look of the ghost was like pretty interesting, and like because they just look like normal dudes. <laughs> Yeah, I but, like um, that they didn't really have faces, like because she says something about how she would blur their faces, and so they're all kind of like these weird, melty messes of of people. And I found that to be cool, like the design of them. But mm-hmm. once we seen them like eight times in a row, I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's really, really starting to test me with these guys here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, hmm, yeah, yeah. I, I just go ahead. Go ahead. What are you saying? Okay, uh, I just I feel like. Edgar Wright kind of muddles a little bit what he was trying to get at thematically with the movie, where he's kind of he's kind of talking about it, where it's like, look, these men are awful, and Sandy's a good person, and she didn't deserve this, but also she's evil, but also these guys are awful, so she's good, but their spirits are sad, so she's not good. You know, like, I feel like yeah, it's, it's kind like- of really going back and forth on, like, what side we should fall on with what's going on. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm like... Like she, she's like a killer, you know, like she, she like murdered all these men. I mean, you know, they, they like, they deserved it, but it's like, so, um, like, fuck. Like, I remember there was like one of the spirits who were like, uh, like it came out and like started talking to Thomas and Miss Kenzie and like, uh, it was like, please like set us free or whatever. I'm like, I don't, what do you mean set us free? You know, like that, that, that seemed like a, like a, like a spooky supernatural element that just didn't feel like it it really worked for me you know like they right. were like and trapped that, like they were trapped there or something and i'm like well like, yeah fuck, like i don't know <laughs> like trapped in her house because they died there or like what because the movie never really explains it so you just have these weird spooky creepy old dudes just walking around like being assholes but then also they're like i'm sad let me go and i'm like what what do you want me to feel here movie yeah <laughs> yeah it it felt felt a little strange i don't know yeah and i i feel like the third act twist didn't really bother me during my watch and in the moment i actually was like this is kind of effective but after that i noticed it kind of like undoes what the movie's trying to say about like manipulation of women by people in power and like violence against women and so like having that reveal just be that she was a serial killer is like such a weird reversal of the themes that the movie was getting at Mm mm-hmm and I, I feel like they, it never really plants its foot on, on either side of the argument, which just makes it even harder to watch because you're like, what are you trying to say to me? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel that 100%. And I think the only reason why that the ending like kind of sort of works is just because of the performance by Diana Rigg, like in Big Rest in Peace as well, you know? Um, oh, man, yeah. Like she was like genuinely like very, very creepy, you know? <laughs> Yeah, she was so, she was great. Like what a what a career to go out on or what a what a movie to go out on for a great career too. Like I, I feel like, you know, she easily could have ended up her final role could have been like a side role that she has a couple minutes in, but she's actually in this movie quite a bit and her character's mm-hmm. really effective. So 
big RIP, yeah. like you said, yeah. Huge rip, yeah. So that's the only reason why it, you know, it kind of kind of works, but I'm still not really happy with it, but I mean, Diana Rig, you know. <laughs> yeah, she sells it. She does. For all the issues I have with that turn in the movie, I feel like Diana Rig does kill it. Yeah. And yeah, no, and then one- that that whole third act is crazy just because like 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 ta- like her boyfriend gets stabbed and then like she's like still she's like trapped in the house and the house is burning to the ground. And then, like, it flashes back between, like, like young Sandy and old Sandy going up the stairs. And I'm like, I, I don't know. This this feels like a little much, you know? Yeah. Oh, and God. no worries. Oh, did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, but I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, you're all good, man. But, I, uh, I, yeah, I feel like Diana Rigg is kind of the only thing that, that really worked for me about that ending. Because... Kind of going, I know I don't want to tread the same territory over and over, but like it's trying to say she's not that bad, but then she's also about to kill Thomas and Mackenzie's character and her boyfriend who has nothing to do with this. So like, yeah, she's straight up evil. Like if she wasn't a bad person and she only killed these people who deserved it, then that'd be one thing. But then she's really just full on like serial killer in the last 15 minutes. And I'm like, are you asking me to root for this girl who is just like shamelessly stabbing this boy who she doesn't know? Like, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. I feel like that's that's definitely my big negative with the movie. And I, seemingly from what I've heard from other people online, like that whole third act is where a lot of people kind of lost lost it a little bit, kind of stopped following along to the same degree they were. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's um. It's a shame. Like, and yeah, no. It's like I I don't know where to stand on it. You know what I mean? It's like like who do you root for here? I <laughs> like, know. You Just definitely. For, you definitely. Thomas and Mackenzie. Yeah, yeah, just Thomas and Mackenzie is like, uh, like, uh, at least she was like trying to unravel like the murder mystery part by going to the police who didn't believe her, you know? And that's like, that's mm-hmm. the other thing about this movie too is that like, what, what's the deal with like the whole like mental health aspect of this whole thing? Like, does, does her character have like any, like, any type of issues or anything like that, you know? Right. Cause it does kind of get at that being like bringing up like her, her mom's history. And then yeah. there's a couple lines that are like, are you seeing your mom again? So it kind of like implies schizophrenia at times, but like it, ne- it never commits to that. And then even at the ending, like I'm, I'm like, she sees Sandy looking at her in the mirror and I'm like, is she just seeing that? Is Sandy really there? Or is she like hallucinating, you know? Yeah. And all throughout, like even see like her mom in the reflection in the mirror a lot. And, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's odd. I just feel like I feel like it was trying to do a couple too many messages with what it was trying to say. Yeah, and um, doesn't really like uh, like you said, doesn't commit to one all that much. Right, and I I just feel like if the movie had stuck with the theme of being like nostalgia's a, a dangerous thing, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in what you think something was versus what it actually is. I feel like that's a, a powerful theme and one that works pretty well, and so the decision to try and commit to like three other things and be like, is it schizophrenia or is it a ghost story? And then like also the stuff it's trying to do with Sandy as a character at the ending, I just feel like it kind of got jumbled in, in, in so many different things. Yeah. It's like, how do you like, so the nostalgia thing is, was you're right. It's very strong, but then it just kind of, th- kind of throws it away when you're trying to talk about like, Oh no, it's not really nostalgia. Like, um, like if she, like if she just actually has like mental issues, you know? So right. I don't I don't know. It's 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 a bummer. But I mean like for me like even even though that like you know the third act is kind of messy and all that stuff um I thought they just did so many other things in the film so well that it doesn't really like I can look past it, you know. <laughs> That's Yeah, I I was the same way. Like the the point 5 is is just like the little bits that we were just talking about. So yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, I feel like so like that's kind of the next thing I was going to ask you. So like that twist at the ending, it doesn't like ruin the movie for you or anything. It doesn't like affect how you look, how you look back at seeing that movie. Cause I know a lot of people are like the twist ruined the movie, like straight up, like they were done with it after that twist. And I, I don't feel that strongly about it. I don't feel that strongly about it either. And it's mostly just because of like what I mentioned earlier is because like Diana Rigg at least sells it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's, yeah, that's, that's the only bit for me. 
I, uh, I definitely agree with you, though, that I wish we got some more resolution with Matt Smith's character. And I actually kind of wish that that old man who was following Thomas and McKenzie around was Matt Smith's character. I thought that that was an interesting direction that they were going with it. And like throughout the entire movie there, I know they're trying to make you think that, but I was like fully on board with that idea. And then they just kind of yeah, twist no, it and be like, he's a nice guy. Yeah. It's like you would have you would have been happy with it, you know? Like I don't care that it was like a predictable outcome. Like I, I would have been satisfied if uh like if he just gets caught in the end, you know? But then sure enough, right. he just he just gets killed. <laughs> by, and, and, and it's by also Sandy. not even him, it's just a different dude. Yeah, well th- so that character is actually one of the guys that like slept with Sandy though, right? He's uh he's the old man and then the present is the guy that talked to her at the bar that one night and he was like you deserve better than this you need to get out of here right and like he, i don't know if like he slept with her though okay but he he de- he's he was definitely like a like the police officer that talked to her in the bar right yeah like yeah. we we saw like a shot of them like they were having drinks and talking and uh and yeah okay yeah that was interesting and then like after like after um what what's Thomas and Mackenzie's character's name? <laughs> uh, Eloise. Eloise, yeah. So after Eloise like like started accusing him that like you know like oh you're you're so and so and then he just tries walking away and then he, he gets hit by a car. I'm like what? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they like set that up for like so long too, where like Eloise would walk out in front of the road and a car would slam on the brakes and honk at her. They did it yeah. like three times, and so when that guy walked on the road, I'm like he's getting run down. <laughs> I was like damn. I don't know. Yeah, they really just disposed of that whole plot line. Though. Like they, I'm okay with twists and turns, but I just feel like they built up a different movie than the movie tries to be in the ending. Yeah. And that, that just leaves a kind of jarring feeling with how you feel about the first hour and a bit versus how you feel about the ending. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's... This might be a bit of a shorter episode, but that's really all I have to say about Last Night in Soho, unless you have any other big things that you want to get at. No, I, I'd say that that do it for me. Um, definitely enjoyed this movie a lot. It kind of felt like uh, like one of those kind of like sleeper hits um, that no one's not really talking about too much, you know? Yeah, but, I, I, I'm expecting once this ends up on streaming or ends up on VI, VOD that, uh, that we'll hear a lot more discussion about it. But I guess just with everything coming out right now and with the world kind of still being in, in chaos, I, I guess people didn't go see this because I think it only made... I don't think it was a lot. I'll actually check really quickly, but I remember seeing something along. It made 4 million. It's opening weekend, which is just not very good. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Like, do you think this thing has any like, uh, like Oscar chances, chances or anything like that? Uh, besides Tony Taylor joy production design. I, I could easily see it going for that. Um, and in cinematography, I could see it in there for that as well. But I think, yeah, Aside from Anya Taylor Joy in those two categories, I don't see it getting getting a lot of love. Yeah. What about for like screenplay? Um, no, I don't think so. Just because that seems to be the one thing that's really divided people is that screenplay. Uh huh. It seems like that's actually the big criticism that I've heard towards the movie is is the writing and the direction of the movie um, through the script. So I, I don't see it having any chance there. But I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, it made yeah. twelve million on a budget of forty-five. So you know, not not great. Damn, he, it and sounds that's like, like yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Edgar Wright is having a repeat of uh, of Scott Pilgrim because Scott Pilgrim oh, was yeah. also Scott, Scott Pilgrim was also like a financial flop, but it's like a great movie, you know. <laughs> yeah, Scott Pilgrim is great, and I, at the time, I believe like nobody cared about it. Like even critical response to it was like bad, and it made like no money, right? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know the numbers right now. I just know it didn't do well. <laughs> and then did you see it in theaters when it re-released last year? I did not. No, I watched it for the first time um, a good while ago on streaming. So. So, yeah, that, I didn't I didn't contribute to the box office numbers at all. <laughs> yeah, man. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but that was like back in 2010. So, I mean, there there was like. I don't know like superhero shit that was going on. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like also that movie honestly is just ahead of its time. Yeah. Like what it was making fun of and what it was kind of playing with was not something that people really cared about at the time the movie came out. And 
now in retrospect, people look back at that movie like a lot more favorably. I, I don't hear anything but praise from people who watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know. Um, last night in Soho, if you're, if you feel safe going to the movies, go see it. It's, it's an awesome horror movie. So yeah, it's worth a watch for sure. And if you don't feel safe, it, I'm sure it'll be on VOD within the next week or two. Uh, along with Last Duel, which is another movie that absolutely flopped at the box office for the last month, but was was really good, really good movie. Yeah. Did yeah, you man. see that one? Uh, not yet. No. It okay, is in theaters yeah. still where I'm at though, so maybe someday. Yeah, I mean, if you have all those free movies, it's definitely worth one of them. It's it's a good watch. Yeah. Yeah. Man, oh, right, I, man, I, well, I, yeah. Okay. Unless you have anything else for Last Night in Soho, I that that's it for me. Yeah, I think that's that's everything I have to say about the movie as well. It's uh, it's a good time. It's it's visually amazing. It's just a really fun, trippy horror movie with really good performances. That is, it's worth it for sure. It's worth going to check out. Yeah, especially if you like a, if you're an Anya Taylor Joy fan, probably one of her better things. Um, I mean everything she's in is pretty cool, but um, Anya Taylor Joy is good in it. Uh, Edgar Wright, you know, if you like his movies, I'm sure you'll like this one as well. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, Anya that's Taylor all I Joy is a, I can't wait to see her in, in the Northman, the new Robert Eggers movie later this, no, early next year. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, also her as Princess Peach. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Bring Make, it back to Chris Pratt's Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> it all, it's all coming together, man. <laughs> yeah. Per- perfectly balanced as all things should be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but Oh, yeah, man. that's that's a weird role for her. I also know she was in like that play mobile like movie, which is basically just like knockoff Lego. They made a movie for that. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, man. I she's at this point in her career where she can she can do that. She can take money roles and then also take the role she's passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So what what, what, what did you say? Voice. Yeah, for real. Uh what did you say your final rating for, for Soho was? Oh, four and a half out of five. Four and a half out of five. What about you? For me, I think uh, when I first saw it, I was it was a four and a half. But after I've sat with it a little bit, I think it's a four. But it's yeah, no it's lower. It is, it is a four. Yeah, it's a solid yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, man. Well, thank you for, for coming on this episode. I really uh, was, was great having you to talk about some horror because I know on your pod, you don't really get into those types of movies. So, so thank you for joining me for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, learning that thing about the, the, the subgenre of horror, that, that's pretty interesting stuff. What, what's it called again? Uh, Giallo. Giallo, wow. And it's, uh, are there any other movies that, um, like popular ones that fall under that, uh, that subgenre? Let's see ones you might know. I know it's, uh, I know recently there's been a lot of filmmakers who are trying to do like homages to it. There was one I saw earlier this year. What was it? I, uh, oh, Malignant. I don't know if you watched Malignant by James Wan. No, but that um, that kind of nods to it. Yeah, that that ties into it a lot with like this weird mystery plotline going on and kind of like a, you know, trying to solve that and super violent. That movie's fucking weird. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> in like in a good way, but it's like pretty much a comedy. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. But yeah, that's that's. I think all the other Giallo movies are like, there's, you know, stuff like Deep Red and Don't Look Now. And um, yeah, just a lot of older stuff. It's kind of a genre that was really in its prime through like the 60s, 70s and 80s. Nice. Now I think a lot of people are just trying to get, it's like that Stranger Things 80s wave of nostalgia that everybody, everybody's on. Everyone's kind of trying to do homages to their favorite movies. Yeah. Interesting times we're in, man. <laughs> I know. It's really weird. <laughs> a lot, a lot of good shit coming up soon, though. So I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll have to have you on again soon, maybe with Wesley when he's when he's more available to do one, and we'll have to talk something soon. Yeah, I'm down. And likewise, over on on the other pod someday. Absolutely, we'll have to man. Always collab down. on stuff. <laughs> uh, do you want to link your where where everybody can find you and let everybody know where they can find your pod and where you can find your socials? Yeah. So pretty much, um, the age narrative is available on. Um, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the good stuff. Um, and then on socials, add like a crazy mishap with our Twitter account, which is pretty unfortunate, but I've seen on, that man. That's, yeah. that's a bummer. 
and Twitter support is a no help. So fuck you, Twitter support. Um, <laughs> uh, but on Twitter, you can find us at age narrative, but it's aged underscore narrative. So find us there at that. And then pretty much on any other social, um, we're on Instagram and TikTok as well, just at age narrative. So, so yeah, and that's, like that's where we're at. You're on all streaming services for, for the pod. Yes, all streaming services, wherever you get your podcasts. Shouts to nice. Anchor. <laughs> yeah, man. Anchor's dope. I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous that uh, you guys can do monetization on, on your pod through Anchor. They need to hook Canadians up with that. That's so weird that, like, you don't... I feel like it should be. Like, why not, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, right? It's like... It doesn't make any difference? sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. But uh, you can you can find our socials at uh, at the dive in movie cast on instagram and at, or at dive in movie cast on twitter and we're available on all podcast services wherever you listen to your podcasts and yeah other than that i think that's it and you got anything else to say man nah man um y'all be safe out there thanks for having me on the show and anytime um, man yeah we'll talk soon hope you guys yeah. enjoyed our little episode here keep it safe out there everyone we'll talk soon